chapter six of the widow married a sequel to the widow barnaby by francis milton trollope this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter six sorrows of the sea comfort and consolations baffled hopes and natural indignation young love notwithstanding that the wind was favourable the vessel seaworthy the crew civil and better than all the land towards which they were making such rapid way the very land of promise and of hope mrs o'donagough and miss o'donagough too were to use a poet's phrase very very sick that they should be very very cross too was on the whole quite excusable because it is certain that under the influence of the first feeling everything in heaven and on earth and the water under the earth is sure to generate the last mr allen o'donagough who was totally unconscious of any sensation of the kind was very civil to his wife and attentive to his daughter for about half an hour after the malady seized them but he then became weary of the repetition of attitude and so on which was quite unavoidable on the part of the ladies but certainly uninteresting to say the least of it to everybody else and he therefore took himself off to the very furthest extremity of the ship from that occupied by the suffering womankind and there comfortably seated on a chicken coop with a cigar in his mouth he dozed in luxury half meditating and half dreaming of cockfords poor mrs o'donagough was greatly to be pitied during nearly the whole of the voyage it was so provoking to see the pickles and the sweetmeats over the preparation and the packing of which she had toiled gradually melting before her eyes without her having ever been able for a single moment to venture them within her mouth miss patty however got much better before she had been long at sea and might soon be seen climbing up upon the taffrail partly to receive the favouring breeze upon her face and partly perhaps for the purpose of making some of the young sailors come and tell her that she must take care not to tumble overboard and that the fishes pick out her pretty eyes among the crew of the atalanta which was the name of the fine merchant-ship that bore the allen o'donagoughs across the ocean was a lad apparently about nineteen or twenty years of age who very soon attracted the particular attention of miss patty nay even mrs allen o'donagough in her intervals of convalescence more than once honoured him by a stare that decidedly spoke of admiration this use universal appellative was jack and to judge by the multitude of occasions in every day upon which the name resounded from stern to stern he was a person of very considerable importance in the manoeuvring of the vessel this circumstance taken singly spoke well for the skill and nautical superiority of the boy yet there were other circumstances which might have led those who watched him closely to doubt whether he were indeed so very accomplished a sailor for in the first place nobody ever saw him go aloft and though as we have said he was continually called upon by name more particularly by the sailors than the officers of the ship whenever they were in want of a hand it not unfrequently happened when he obeyed the summons and set to work upon the business assigned him a roar of laughter from his companions accompanied and followed his exertions this however might have proceeded solely from his great popularity among them and from the very particular pleasure they all appeared to take in his society he was unquestionably one of those happy mortals blessed by nature with the patent privilege of propitiating the good will of all on whom he turned his bright blue eyes there was no resisting its gay playful glance nor the smile either by which he displayed the most perfect set of teeth ever set in a mortal head almost every time he was spoken to it is a long voyage from new south wales to england and even those who are best in health and gayest in spirits can hardly fail to experience that degree of weariness which makes every person and every occurrence within reach of observation important 
mr allen o'donagough himself though fully enjoying those best reliefs to tedium the breakfasts dinners and suppers furnished by the careful preparations of his less happy spouse so far shared this universal feeling as to amuse himself occasionally by joining with jack in his good-humoured efforts to amuse patty no sooner was the breakfast hour past than the young lady let the weather be what it would was sure to be seen climbing the cabin stairs in order to get a game at ship billiards with jack nor was jack slow in his efforts to meet her wishes no sooner did he perceive her bright eyes roving about the deck in search of him than he sung out to any of the crew who happened to be within reach avast there tom or dick or harry or whomever else it might chance to be avast there and hand us a bit of chalk for the young lady and a bit of chalk to mark the series of circles that the game required was never long waited for nay so eager were the good seamen of the atalanta to oblige either the young lady or their blithe comrade that few among them failed when thus called upon to use the chalk as well as furnish it and the ring within ring was often fairly drawn upon the deck each marked with its respective number and the circular slices of wood that served as bowls placed ready beside them before jack had concluded his first parley with miss patty or answered half the questions respecting wind weather the ship's progress and the flying fish which she always came ready primed to ask as soon as the game was fairly begun mr allen o'donagough might generally be seen approaching cigar in mouth to watch the progress of it had he carefully marked the expression of his young daughter's countenance as he drew near he might perhaps have perceived that she would have been quite as well pleased to keep jack and the bowls to herself but probably he did not mark it at all and accordingly obtruded himself without scruple upon their game generally proposing to set himself and his daughter against jack who was a great adept and often appearing to take the most lively interest in the result by means of this constant practice mr allen o'donagough himself acquired by degrees very considerable skill in the game and at length was apt to leave poor patty out of it altogether till the amusement was evidently become as important to his daily existence as to hers it was not long ere mr allen o'donagough's habit of bringing all his intellect to bear upon every game whether of skill or chance in which he was engaged placed him fully on an equality with jack in that of ship billiards and then he began greatly to long for a bet to excite anew the interest a feeling pretty nearly allied to shame enabled him for a few days to resist the temptation he felt to challenge jack for a penny a game but it lasted no longer and setting all considerations of his own superior rank aside he fairly addressed the lad in the language of perfect equality i say jack what do you say my boy to our trying our luck for a penny a game with all my heart sir if you will was the reply and to it they set notwithstanding the openly expressed displeasure of patty who was fain to console herself by standing very close to her favourite when it was her father's turn to throw and by romping with him a little now and then for the recovery of the bowl when both stooped together to pick it up mr allen o'donagough was unquestionably much too rich a man to make the pennies for which he now played of importance to him nevertheless habit and a sort of instinctive ardour for success even where success mattered not led him to exert himself so effectually that he speedily became the better player of the two this appeared to pique the young sailor and he likewise was frequently seen practising the game alone at these times no one ever heard jack called for nor did any of the necessary duties of his profession appear in the least degree to interfere with his amusement poor sick mrs o'donagough 
whose greatest comfort was to have a parcel of coats and cloaks placed on the deck for her to lie upon frequently amused herself by the hour together in watching both the practice and the game also till at last it struck her that jack who making allowance for his youth and his wearing neither favori or moustaches she considered as decidedly the handsomest person she had ever seen it struck her i say that jack must either be the very idlest fellow that ever took service on shipboard or that he was not the mere common sailor he appeared no sooner had this last conjecture crossed her brain than her curiosity became roused and exerting herself vigorously she rose from her recumbent posture and dragged her languid limbs to the spot where captain wilkins the commander of the vessel stood leaning listlessly over the ship's side mrs allen o'donagough leant over the ship's side too good morning to you captain said she turning up her veil that she might both hear and see him more at her ease how are we getting on to-day capital well ma'am he replied eight knots an hour steady that's good hearing captain wilkins for one that makes such a bad sailor as i do and talking of sailors do tell me something about that young man that they call jack i never saw such an odd irregular young fellow in my life sometimes to hear the sailors calling him first here then there as violently as if the whole safety of the ship depended on his coming one might think he was just the best seaman on board then at other times he will do nothing but amuse himself for hours and hours together with tossing along that bit of wood as he is doing now do turn round and look at him captain wilkins and tell me if that's the way for a sailor to earn his wages the captain turned his head for a moment to look in the direction mrs o'donagough indicated and then replacing himself in his former position replied carelessly it is only because we go on so well ma'am sailors have but little to do in fair weather humph quoth mrs allen o'donagough seemingly but little satisfied by the explanation but replacing her folded arms upon the side of the vessel she contemplated the floating nautili shining with their violet and silver rigging in the sun as fixedly as if she were really thinking of them but it was no such thing her thoughts had never swerved for a moment from jack his handsome face and his tall slight figure which spite of his canvas trousers and checked shirt had an air a look that seemed so she was quite at a loss for a word to express what she meant but had she been blessed with her friend miss morrison's familiarity with the tongues she would unquestionably have added distingue and then all the sailors though they called him jack so familiarly doing just what he bid them with the chalk every day and more than all his flying full gallop to handle a rope now and then just as if it was done for fun though as to scouring the decks or climbing up those horrid dangerous ladders of rope or any other sailor work that was anywise disagreeable he no more seemed to have a notion of doing it than her daughter martha all this was puzzling in the extreme and understand it she would or else know the reason why but i say captain she began again but turning her head a little at the same moment she perceived that most uncourteously captain wilkins had left her side and was no longer in sight vulgar brute murmured mrs o'donagough in great indignation but if he is off because he won't tell me what i want to know i'll be a match for him yet on first screwing her courage to this enterprise of further inquiry she turned her eyes towards the head of the vessel as the point where she was at once the most certain of encountering some of the men and not of encountering their captain but poor soul the undertaking was greatly beyond her strength and after making a few tottering steps in the direction she wished to take she was fain to stop short and seat herself but though her walk before the mast was given up her inquisitorial project was not 
and as soon as she had rested herself sufficiently once more to give her poor reeling brain fair play she bethought her of a scheme worth a dozen of the last and forthwith proceeded to put it in execution no manoeuvring was required for this in any degree at variance with her feeble condition for it was only necessary that she should confess herself to be as ill as she really felt and call for the steward to help her downstairs to her berth black billy came at her call and with his usual ready civility sustained the weight of the lady's heavy arm till he had safely landed her in the cabin black billy was an excellent steward and to all the multitudinous qualifications essentially necessary to deserving this character he added a charm without which all the rest would have been imperfect for black billy was a most accomplished gossip thank you billy thank you sighed the qualmish lady as soon as she had placed her uncomfortable person on the black horsehair sofa but don't go away yet billy i want to give you half a dollar because you are always so good-natured to my daughter and me tanky ma'am returned billy his eyes flashing at sight of the dearly loved coin madam want it e drop some at goody goody why i shouldn't care billy if i did have half a glass of very very weak cold rum and water billy was rattling amongst his bottles and glasses in a moment and presently returning from the mysterious hole in which all the matériel for his important office was lodged he presented the goody-goody draught to mrs o'donagough with an air that would not have disgraced the chef of Barry's establishment thank you billy thank you reiterated the kind-spoken lady adding after a sip or two it is very comfortable indeed but don't go billy you shall have the glass in one moment and then there will be no danger of its getting broke billy obediently stationed himself before her and respectfully waited plate in hand to receive her glass but mrs o'donagough was in no humour to dispatch its reviving contents hastily you make the best toddy i ever tasted billy i am sure you are quite a treasure to the ship how long have you been on board her billy this is de first voyage please ma'am you seem to have a nice civil crew on board billy yes please ma'am all but nasty filthy nigger cook and we must put up with ee ma'am cause you know he be but a beastly nigger that jack as you call him seems a good-natured lad with always a merry word for everybody do you know anything about him billy resumed the lady oh yes ma'am replied billy with a very broad grin i knows all about em do you billy replied mrs o'donagough eagerly i am very glad of it for i want to hear all about him who is he billy and what is he something out of the common way i think isn't he now billy this was said in the playful coaxing tone generally used by people who pique themselves upon their powers of cross-examination billy upon this lowered his voice to a very confidential tone as he replied now bean't he a rummin ma'am he be the oldest boy ever come aboard as couldn't go aloft but why can he not go aloft billy that looks as if he had never been bred as a sailor doesn't it billy shook his head but said nothing now do tell me billy you must know continued mrs o'donagough why did he come aboard dressed like a sailor jack stoopy lubber wery stoopy lubber ma'am said billy looking extremely sagacious yes yes billy so he is perhaps and something besides that into the bargain yes ma'am yes replied billy putting his finger to his nose so he bees 
mrs allen o'donagough now thought the moment was come and throwing herself forward on her seat and raising her eager eyes to the face of the negro she exclaimed what dear billy for god's sake tell me what a very comic expression took possession of the shining face that was bent down to meet hers but though the fellow grinned from ear to ear it was with a tone of great solemnity that he replied that be's a secret ma'am po fiddle de dee for a secret billy among friends tell me what it is there's a good fellow billy grinned again shut up his eyes very close for about half a minute and then he said him be's a regular crocodile a crocodile you black fool cried mrs o'donagough losing all patience if you think to treat a white lady passenger in that manner and not get flogged for it you are altogether out if you don't tell me this moment all you know about the boy who they call jack i'll inform the captain that your behaviour is too impertinent to be borne and we'll soon see what comes of that master billy billy tried to look dismal but his ivory teeth would make themselves seen in spite of him however he very soberly took up the glass which the lady had just before set down empty and very decorously named the number of pennies she was to be pleased to pay for the same this she knew was inevitable such being the regulation on board the good ship atalanta fortunately for her feelings at the moment mrs o'donagough chanced to have the exact sum ready in her pocket in large copper coin and drawing the pieces out she raised her arm and with all the strength she had flung them with a tolerably steady aim in the face of billy insult to a negro if the tortured flesh quiver not beneath it is never very deeply felt so billy only shook his woolly sconce as if it had been exposed to a shower of hail and without any symptom of ill-humour picked up the coin and retired mrs o'donagough felt very ill very ill indeed a violent fit of anger is one of the worst accidents that can occur in a case of sea-sickness it was quite as much as the poor lady could do to get to the state corner for the best arranged merchant ships can hardly be said to have state cabins in which her berth was constructed and having reached it there she remained quietly enough for at least three hours the latter part of which time however was happily for her relieved by a tolerably sound nap the greatest blessing that kind heaven can send to a sufferer in her condition she awakened from it greatly refreshed and sufficiently herself again to slip off her bed arrange her ruffled garments add to her dress a wrapping shawl that she knew gave her an air of dignity and then with her parasol in hand she mounted the companionway in search of the captain she found him standing with his arms behind him still watching mr o'donagough and jack at their everlasting game while miss patty as usual was consoling herself for her exclusion from it by following jack's every movement with her eyes and endeavouring with all her might to make him cheat her papa it might be presumed from external symptoms that every emotion of anger disagreed very violently with the sensitive frame of mrs o'donagough for it invariably caused an appearance of swelling over her whole person and she now approached the group who were amusing themselves on the quarter-deck with a gait and movement nearly resembling those of a stately turkey-cock when some circumstance has in like manner ruffled his plumage and his temper mrs o'donagough had not lost flesh during her residence in new south wales on the contrary indeed the greatest change which her appearance had undergone during the fifteen years of her absence from her native shores arose from the general enlargement of her person and there was now therefore something exceedingly striking and impressive in her aspect when under the influence of any indignant feeling mr allen o'donagough of course knew these symptoms well and adopting his usual demeanour upon such occasions appeared instead of seeing her half as big again as usual not to see her at all 
but he need not have given himself the trouble of feigning for he had nothing whatever to do with her present emotion while the captain who had continued to stand innocently unsuspicious and without taking the least care of himself within reach of her arm was the sole object of her attention it was gently however that she extended that arm and laid hold of his captain wilkins said she in a tone of voice which notwithstanding her inward agitation was more than usually civil captain wilkins will you be so kind as to let me speak to you for half a moment though a very good sort of fellow in many ways captain wilkins had less of that devoted and undiscriminating gallantry to the fair sex which is usually found in men of his profession that mrs o'donagough could have wished she was quite aware of this and did not scruple to confess to anybody who would listen to her that captain wilkins was no particular favourite of hers the captain on his side might have been aware of this also or he might not but be that as it may he did not like mrs o'donagough at all and when soon after they set sail the first mate remarked to him that he thought madame o'donagough would still be a capital fine woman if she was not so unaccountably big the captain replied there's no accounting for taste mr happerton but to my fancy she is altogether the most sprawling pattern of a female that i ever looked at on sea or land when therefore he felt mrs o'donagough's gentle touch and her invitation to a tete-a-tete he looked as if he would not have been at all sorry if his more easily pleased first mate could have taken the duty instead of him however he was much too civil to say so and bending his head with something between a nod and a bow replied at your pleasure ma'am i must detain you one instant sir said the lady hastening towards the retirement offered by a seat on the opposite side of the quarter-deck just sit down here one moment and you shall hear quietly what i have got to say i prefer standing ma'am i thank ye replied the captain placing himself before her at the distance of about five feet dear me captain i don't want to bawl out so that the whole ship's crew shall hear me and i shan't poison you i suppose if you do come a little nearer upon this captain wilkins made a step but not a very long one in advance and again placed himself in act to hear mrs o'donagough felt as if she would have liked to throw him overboard but this did not prevent her again addressing him in a very civil and almost in a coaxing tone as she said my dear captain wilkins i think it is my bounden duty not to keep you in the dark respecting the extraordinary impertinence of your black steward i am quite sure sir that you were aware of it you would take instant measures to prevent anything of the kind from ever occurring again and therefore it is that i make this point of speaking to you is it your wish sir that your black negro servants should insult your passengers your lady passengers captain wilkins now the truth was that during mrs o'donagough's refreshing slumber black billy had been beforehand with her and recorded to his master the whole scene which had passed between them a statement in which the captain without any undue partiality towards his steward felt entire confidence both from his knowledge of the parties and from all the circumstances connected with mrs o'donagough's curiosity and billy's resistance to it however his answer betrayed nothing of all this for he only replied oh no ma'am neither black nor white we must have no insultings you had better not sir i can tell you as far as regards myself i presume that you are in some degree aware though not so much as you might be perhaps that my daughter and myself are not to be looked upon at all in the same light as any other person on board nor my husband mr o'donagough either of course 
my family and connections sir fill the very highest rank in english society and a young lady who is going home i may say for the express purpose of being presented at court is hardly to be considered as the same sort of thing as a sydney grazier's wife or the daughter of a felon consigned to her cousins in england like that flaunting miss that is always trying to parade the decks with miss o'donagough only i won't let her as to that madam replied the captain i never in my life was guilty of making any difference whatsoever between one passenger and another if they all pay me honestly they are all honest people to me and i care not a straw about their grandfathers i have not asked you sir to make any difference any lady treated as i have been by an insolent blackamoor ought to know that he was punished for it and what if you please madam do you think i ought to do to black billy for not answering your questions about the young fellows of my crew this sudden and unexpected retort again made mrs donagough feel very unwell and she heartily wished herself lying upon the cloaks and coats again nevertheless her spirits did not desert her entirely and she continued to say upon my word captain wilkins you would consult your own interest better if you did take a little notice of the difference of station between one passenger and another instead of treating them all alike with the vulgarity that seems natural to you my interest madam is not very likely to be touched one way or another by my passengers the atalanta is no wise like an american liner or a steamship moving between dover and calais for you know madam if any of my customers was to cross back again it would most likely be the king god bless him and not me who would have the bringing of them here mrs o'donagough became too ill to hear another word and catching hold of a sailor who was passing to take his turn at the helm she got him to help her downstairs when crawling again into her berth she continued to lie there in no very comfortable position for several hours till at length miss patty came to look after her and by the help of a little coaxing induced her to get up and show papa in which package the other jars of pickled onions could be found for the rest of the voyage mrs o'donagough continued on very unsatisfactory terms both with the captain and billy seldom indeed exchanging a word with either and remaining altogether too sick and too much out of temper to make any further efforts for the discovery of jack's secret history if any such were in truth attached to him a point upon which happily perhaps for her own tranquillity she began to be considerably less sanguine than when her researches commenced for the youth satisfactorily proved his plebeian origin by never appearing conscious that so distinguished a person as herself was on board how can you bear to play every day with that vulgar boy as you do you and your father too martha it is perfectly wonderful to me how you can endure his manners but any amusement i suppose is better than none as long as we are confined to this beastly horrid ship only you must remember my dear that when you get to england all things will be different we must have no more vulgar acquaintance if you please but now you must go on playing i suppose with anybody you can find for god knows i am too ill to amuse you myself such was the harangue uttered by mrs o'donagough to her daughter when their voyage was about half completed and to avoid all unnecessary concealments the soliloquy which followed it on the part of the young lady as she turned from her mother and hung over the blue waves as they lashed the vessel on her course shall be given likewise vulgar boy that's your notion of a vulgar boy is it i don't care whether he is a sailor boy or a prince not one single cent it was thus that she deliberately murmured forth her steadfast mind but this i know that if my dear dear beautiful lovely jack will only consent to marry me as soon as i am fifteen and that's old enough for any woman if he will only have me for his wife 
i won't care neither for father nor mother nor uncles nor aunts no more than if they were so many brass buttons such were the sentiments of mr allen o'donagough's heiress when she had traversed half the briny space which divides the old world from the new and ere the remaining half was halved her young heart was more thoroughly devoted still but as the adventure which led to this is perfectly novel and highly interesting it must have a chapter to itself End of chapter six